0: ASBO International would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Security Benefit. Security Benefit is a proud ASBO strategic partner that has offered retirement plans to education professionals for over 50 years. Security Benefit works with school districts across the U.S., helping America's educators move toward their goal of financial security and the enjoyable life they deserve in retirement. To learn how simple it is to add Security Benefit to your district's benefit plan, visit securitybenefit.com ASBO. That's securitybenefit.com A-S-B-O. Neither Security Benefit Corporation or its affiliates are fiduciaries. This information is general in nature and intended for use with the general public. For additional information, including any specific advice or recommendations, please visit with your financial professional. Services are offered through Security Distributors, a subsidiary of Security Benefit Corporation.
1: Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business.
0: In the official podcast of Asville International.
1: As you say every week, the official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell, here along with the esteemed John Bracato. Hi, I had to put my Barry White voice on for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Lure in the listeners. No, just like, you know, listeners get, get loads of sleep. Uh, no, but seriously, this John, I tell you, man, you know, there's things you do in life, right? Where, you know, you have your job, your family, what's important to you. And then you have sometimes hobbies, right? Yep. Um, this is is probably the best thing in the world, right here, brother, I tell you. Yeah. Um, I would agree. To come on here every week and to meet folks, I mean, from everywhere. I mean, I don't know, I gotta get the exact number of the state, uh, but you know, we're definitely over 20 states and coming to a new state, learning something totally new, These things we would never even know if we never spoke to these folks. Um, but, But go ahead and let us know who we have on today. Yeah. How lucky are we to just have this opportunity to speak to our colleagues
0: across the world and uh, we don't uh, fall short today. We have somebody from New Mexico. We have Martin Romine. He's the director of finance Mm at the Zuni Public School District in Zuni, New Mexico. And as Jack said, we learn something new every single episode. And that's especially true here today. Uh, Everything from Martin's work on the legislative committee with ASBO International to a unique funding mechanism in New Mexico that I haven't personally heard of, um, of all the states that we've we've spoken to. So we're really excited to bring you this unique episode, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Martin. Today on the podcast, we have Martin Romine. Martin is the Director of Finance at the Zuni Public School District in Zuni, New Mexico. Martin, welcome to the podcast. We're happy
1: to have you. Martin, Thanks. I'm
2: glad to be here today.
1: Yeah, good this to have you This is so on. awesome. Martin, you see the smile on my face? You yeah. know what? We just hit... We hit another state. Yeah, we Mexico.
2: Checking those boxes. I love it. Hey, let me tell you a quick story about that. Uh, our executive director of New Mexico ASBO, another business official, and and myself went to an okay. Eagle Con- Eagle Institute conference in Gettysburg a couple of weeks ago. We had hmm. to rent a car in Baltimore at the airport, so we go up to the counter to reserve the car, and she's checking us all in and sees we from sees where we're from. And we give her our driver's licenses. And she said, do you have your passports? And we looked at each other and said, what <laughs> do you have passports? And then we realized, we said, no, that's New Mexico, not old Mexico. Not the old yeah, one. Yeah, it's the new. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: was that the it. first
0: time you ever got that? Was that new for you?
2: It was new for me. I've heard it happening to other people, but it was
1: new for she me. She must have been new. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> She must have been new, for real. Yeah. Wow, that's a funny story. And that's a way to kick it off. I mean, we like this because for us, this is about conversation, about having a good time with our community, right? And you being a fellow SBO across the country, we we, we really um, embrace this. And so, Jai and I, I, I can speak for myself. Um, I love when I have a seasoned SBO that we can really pick up a lot from all the world, all the experience that you have, Um I just, it, it's just, I'm soaking it up. I just can't wait. So thank you so much uh, again for making We really appreciate you coming. And so with anybody else, I mean, we want to know you too, our listeners as well. Uh, so we always say, look, let's start off. Um, you know, if you could just tell us a little about yourself, about, you know, your background, your experience, right? And I guess how you got to where you are now as the SBO.
2: All right. Well, before I uh, get into the SBO and, and that, I'd like to go back to before I even got my degree. It was uh, the early 80s and I was working in the mining industry in New Mexico. I'd worked in the uranium mining underground and coal mining above ground. And while mining pays really good money, it's a very unstable industry. And after getting laid off three times in a period of 18 months, I decided I wasn't doing that the rest of my life. My wife and I packed our two kids up and left. I went back to college and took a couple of years. I got completed my degree in finance. And I swore awesome. when I went back to school, I would never work for another mining company. Mining again. <laughs> right out of school, what do I do? I get a job offer from a, a coal mining company. And like a dummy, <laughs> I take it.
1: You were in
0: the and, trenches though, right?
2: Yeah. I, a year later, what are they doing? They're closing down.
1: Oh because, my gosh. Now nah, you really learned a lesson after yeah, that time. they're not in the office <laughs> or in the actual mine, forget right. the coal mining industry. <laughs> wow. Good so story. I
2: was fortunate now with a degree, I was able to get a job for a family-owned business. They sold uh, Native American arts and crafts. And from that time forward, I've always been able to find a job. I worked 23 years in Gallup, New Mexico for various families in uh, Native American arts and crafts, supplies, grocery industry, before I became uh, an SBO for Zuni Public School District. And after 23 years of being in that industry and driving 45 miles work every day. I had an offer to come to work to Zuni, even though I had no experience as a school business official. I accepted the job. That's I've been okay. here for a little over 15 years. and I've loved every wow. minute of it.
0: So, Myron, I have to ask, did you even know school business officials were an occupation when you were offered the position?
2: I knew they existed. I had no idea what they did.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, I knew That's somebody awesome. had to manage the money because it's there's a lot of it there, but no, I had no true? idea what they did.
0: Yeah, that seems to be Uh, a common uh. thread with a lot of our colleagues and what a great story and and path to where you are now. Uh, But we brought you on because we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your involvement in the legislative committee with uh, ASBO International. So something stood out to us with your signature line that connect to educate and inspire quote. Uh, I think that's a great correlation to the work that you're putting forth and the work that the legislative committee as a body puts forth for the organization could you tell us kind of what led you to your joining the legislative committee and um, how long have you been on it and and what kind of continues to fuel your passion to work with that legislative
2: body? Well, I've, you know, there are a lot of things that, that led to it. And some of them, because, because of some successes we had at the uh, state level, I wanted to help at the federal level. But it really all started when I was in the grocery industry. And at a state level, the legislators always have they're little pet bills, and sometimes they affect the industry that you work in. So I started, I kind of cut my teeth led, lobbying at the state level to prevent bad legislation that would have negatively impacted the, the grocery industry. And that led to being appointed to to uh, represent the state on the National Grocers Association. So I would lobby in wow. Washington for grocery industries. And that's where I really came to enjoy it. I met a lot of really good people, the uh, actual elected officials, but also their staff members, and I came to learn how everything that goes into into legislation and intended un, and unintended consequences. And I, I just came, I, I came to love the uh, the process.
0: And so, what do you what do you see as the biggest difference between lobbying statewide versus? at a federal level?
2: At the state level, you can make a, a larger difference. Let me just give you my success story, mine along with some other people. New Mexico, okay. Indian, Native American school districts and military school districts get what are what is called impact aid revenue. Mm-hmm. It's revenue that the federal government pays to school districts because the land that they reside on is under federal control so they can't collect any property taxes off of it. I see. And New Mexico okay. was taking credit or reducing their state allocation to, to our district by seventy-five percent because we were getting that impact aid, and that had been going on t- since nineteen seventy-four. And we had been fighting it for a lot of years. Finally, in two thousand nineteen, there were a, there was a group of us that got together and we fought it, and we were successful. And after about three years, we finally convinced right. the state to take take quit taking that credit. So at the state level, you can make a difference and you can make a difference a whole lot faster. At the federal level, things move a whole lot slower. You yeah. don't get to know okay. your elected officials like you do at the state level.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, don't know who those guys are.
2: Yeah. And you at the state level, you make a lot of connections with other with other people in in your industry that you associate with at conferences. Uh, within your state, Mm -hmm. you make a lot of really good friendships on the federal level. You make a lot of good friendships, but you don't see the people very often.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that, and that piece on the, the federal impact date is really fascinating. And you know, that's actually not the first time that we've talked about that on our podcast. We had a guest, uh, Chris Carballo. He's at the Highland Falls, Fort Montgomery school district, in New York, and that's right adjacent to West point. And he was telling us he has to deal with the same thing where he has to lobby for funding every single year because it's just such a large revenue for them. But at any
1: rate, congratulations on your, on your victory uh, with yeah. at the state level. That's great. Thank you. So so, Martin, um, I'm I'm more so curious uh, as to how this committee operates throughout the year. You know, I'm, I want to know really how do you develop your initiatives, and you know, what are some of those initiatives that you guys seek to uphold?
2: We have uh, obviously, Asbo International has an office in DC. They have one lady yep. that is strictly dedicated to to watching. Edu uh, bills that, that will impact education. And when one of those bills comes up, she will email all members of the committee, ask us if we want to wow. take a stand on this, if we if we are if we are in favor of it, if we are opposed to it, give our opinions on it, and then they will put that together and they'll they build a a case for or against the legislation. We had, I believe, two. Two of those emails two days ago. So we'll go sometimes wow. a week without anything, then some days we'll have two, uh, one or Tons. two of them, and <laughs> we usually have two or three of them every week. So, asbo right. is constantly involved with with watching legislation on the federal level that will impact school districts throughout the nation. how, how many people are
1: on that committee, roughly?
2: I believe there's eight of us. Okay, I know, uh, okay, and there, you know, we have representatives from new york new jersey colorado oregon washington new mexico there you know it's not it's not concentrated in one specific area it's interesting we have one gentleman on the committee that uh works for uh, i believe it's union city school district in new jersey okay. right under the right under the on the other side of the bridge they he said their school district boundaries are one and a quarter square miles so mm. i said that's interesting. Our school district is about eight hundred square miles, so you have a, <laughs> crazy. a huge uh, disparity, disparity between sizes of enrollment yes. and and everything. So uh, it's a it's uh, a it's a committee that represents a wide variety of students.
0: Yeah, we had Anthony on the podcast. Uh, he was the one that built the heist or the field on top of the exactly. roof building. He's really yes. proud
1: of that football field. It's kind of kind of amazing to see. <laughs> That is amazing to have it on your your roof. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: So so Martin, you mentioned that you you have representation from multiple different states and glad to hear it's not just concentrated in one area of the U.S. With that makeup of your committee, do you find it difficult to balance the needs of each individual state? Or is it kind of, we're all in this and looking at the same priorities together?
2: We're actually in it all together, looking at the priorities of, of education, on a federal level, not just individual states. We pretty much leave individual state lobbying to the individual representatives. And we just try to look out for what what is best for school districts throughout the nation. So we concentrate mostly on federal programs such as Title I, uh, the Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act, uh, School Lunch Program, those kinds of things, instead of worrying about individual uh, state-wide uh revenues.
0: And is there a particular issue that you guys have been working on for years after years that you're you're struggling with?
2: (laughs) We generally we just work on on those issues that are that are in the forefront right now. I know that Title I, I, IDEAB, and school nutrition are those issues that are really, really big right now.
1: Yeah, child nutrition big for sure.
2: Dr. Mitchell, you asked me when we started you mentioned our district mission statement, connect, educate, yes. inspire. And I just like to elaborate a little bit about that if it's okay. Oh, that's sure. fine. Of course. absolutely. We had a, uh, a district retreat a couple of years, uh, about a little over a year ago. And we hadn't rewritten our vision or mission statement for a long time. And m- your vision statement needs to be short and concise. And we, we kicked around a lot of stuff. And then the other directors on our administrative team are all educators. I'm, I wasn't, I've never been a classroom teacher. They had all, all been classroom teachers and they talked about what it took to really reach, to really help educate a student. And first thing you have to do is you have to be able to create that connection with the students. You, they have to know that you care about them, that you trust them so that they can begin to trust you. Once you make that connection, then you can educate them and you can find out where their interests lie. And then you can inspire them to follow those those paths that will help them be not only successful, but happy. And
1: now a quick break for today's sponsor.
0: We'd like to once again thank today's podcast sponsor, Security Benefit. Security Benefit has been offering retirement programs to school districts across the U.S. for the past five decades. As an ASBO strategic partner and proud sponsor of the ASBO International's Emerging Leaders Scholarship Program, Security Benefit helps educators move toward their goal of financial security and the enjoyable life they deserve in retirement. To learn how simple it is to add Security Benefit to your district's benefit plan, visit securitybenefit.com ASBO. That's securitybenefit.com slash A-S-B-O. Neither Security Benefit Corporation nor its affiliates are fiduciaries. This information is general in nature and intended for use for the general public. For additional information, including any specific advice or recommendations, please visit with your financial professional. Services are offered through Security Distributors, a subsidiary of Security Benefit Corporation. And now back to today's episode. That's I like great. that. Yeah, that very well said, and I'm... You know, it definitely speaks to the passion that your your district has to making sure that every student is successful and um, connect, educate, inspire. So that's that's wonderful. Um, let's speak to your state a little bit more, shifting away from the federal level um, and kind of in that same vein of talking about students. Um, can you talk to our to talk to us a little bit about your state's program to provide private tutoring for each student? That's not something you typically see all the time.
2: Okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to assume that you gentlemen know where New Mexico ranks as far as education in the country. We're always down at the bottom, 48th, 49th, 50th. Yeah. So the state has made a concerted effort over the last few years to try to improve what they're doing for the students and improve student outcomes. They've raised mm-hmm. teacher salary levels. I think we have now some of the highest salary minimums in the in the country. Uh, they put a lot more money into a lot of different programs. I know the last legislative session, they passed a law that basically gives every every school age student in the state uh, free lunch. So one thing that they they wanted to do was find a way to reach individual students. And I believe that's where the tutoring program came up. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to make it successful in Zuni. Uh, I don't know if it's a a distrust of government programs or what. One thing you, I mm-hmm. didn't tell you before is our school district is basically 100 percent Native American. We are okay. our res our school district boundaries are the reservation boundaries.
1: So it could still be some distrust because of. Because, uh, of, history, ha- because right? of history,
2: because history. Of history. Yeah, yeah. It's just
1: leave it there. It's history. Yeah. yeah so it's,
2: it's it's been difficult for us to make that program successful. We have tried. Mm-hmm. We have we have done other things. After school tutoring. Uh, there's a great program that we have that we brought in from from a company where the students log on to programs for ten minutes a night. It helps them with their their reading, their math, and their uh, science. If they successfully complete the program, they get to keep the laptop computer that they were given. We've got, we're done in attendance incentives and different things because tutoring, those one-on-one tutors has not been, have not been successful for our district. We're trying to find other ways, other avenues to use state funds to reach them and, and find success in other, in other venues.
0: So I guess a million dollar question, are you finding success with all these different kind of avenues to
2: engage students? We just did a, an interesting study for our elementary school. There as well. We didn't do the study; the state did the study, and I reviewed the numbers uh, for a meeting we had with the tribe. And our reading score, our math scores at the elementary school were up, I believe, by it was either five or seven percent over the previous year. And our reading scores were up sixteen percent,
1: and that oh, was awesome. for twenty twenty two.
2: And I know that our reading scores were up another That's 16%. substantial jump.
1: Yeah, that's significant.
2: It is. So while we haven't been able to make the tutoring program work, we have implemented other programs in the district that are helping the students achieve their full potential.
0: And are you working closely with the chief of the tribe to kind of bring the students in and and bolster their their scores and their their comprehension? Or how does that look?
2: Okay. Uh, uh, I I don't know how it is in other states, but in New Mexico, we Mm -hmm. have... Tribes and pueblos, and the pueblos all have elected governors in them.
0: So oh, in our state, we
2: have a governor for the state, and then we have I think twenty-three pueblos with governors. So we've got about twenty-four governors here. Oh. That's
0: a lot so, of politics. <laughs>
2: but to answer your question, we just had a meeting <laughs> with uh, with the governor, lieutenant governor, and the tribal council yesterday to to begin work over the next two years on a program where between the school district and the tribal. The tribal uh, leadership, we can enhance and improve the education more than we, we are even a- able to do right now.
1: That's important. So That's while
2: they important. don't really have any say, or say is not the right word, they don't have any decision making authority within the school yeah. district, we still need to and want to work hand in hand with them because we're educating the members of their tribe.
1: Yeah, it still a, sounds it's collaborative. A, it's a Yellowstone situation right there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If, you, if you watch Yellowstone, then you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you kind of expounded a little bit earlier about some of these committee does discuss and, you know, some of the things that you receive, right, over the course of, you know, weeks. Uh, you get emails from a particular staffer at um, Aswa National. So, w- you know, we just like to know, I guess, what do you see as some of those biggest challenges ahead? You know, I know we know, we've interviewed now I think over 20 states, and I think at this point, uh, we've heard a lot of the theme about charter schools and and choice. Um, It sounds like your setup is different though, as we've been speaking here with the prevalos, and that's something that we probably weren't too aware of, too keen of. However, um, you know, not necessarily you speaking about your state's future, but what do you see, I guess, as some of the challenges that lie ahead?
2: Well, charter schools are a challenge. I don't know how it is in other states, but charter schools, we have as many charter schools in New Mexico as we have school districts. And a lot of people look at charter schools as the magic pill, the panacea for everything that, that uh, ails public education. But the test scores haven't really shown that, that's, that, uh, that that is true. The charter schools, at least in New Mexico, do not have higher scores than public schools. Public schools are, you know, they're doing, they're doing the best that they can do. Right. Uh, as far as challenges nationwide, well, even statewide, it's going to the funding is always going to be a challenge. New Mexico, fortunately or unfortunately, receives the bulk of their revenue from education, from oil and gas revenues. When oil and gas prices are up, we're flush with dollars and everything's money. beautiful, and so you know we have all the money in the world. But wow. that is not always the case. Everybody knows. Yeah. You know, it, with the ebbs and flows of of the energy industry, those those yeah. prices are going to go down. When they go wow. down, I don't know what that's going to do. To this is such an interesting
1: dynamic, Martin. I tell you, wow.
2: It, well, you know, New it's Mexico, amazing. New Mexico created a, a unique funding formula back in the early seventies, where they shifted the the burden of of the uh, dollars to, to uh, pay pay for all the education of the districts from okay. local property taxes to the state so now rather than local property taxes being responsible for 40 to 50% of the revenue the state mm. funds about 95% wow so all wow. of your all your you don't property see that very taxes, often yeah property taxes can be used for re, for maintenance and repairs of your buildings and for construction and the state takes mm. care of the actual money in the classroom it's really oh, it's, it's really so well, well done
0: so have okay. you been part of a cycle where the oil market isn't as strong and you saw tightening of state revenues?
2: Uh I believe it was around 2015 the the prices the prices of oil and gas crashed. Yes. And as a result, I don't know how it works in other states, but in New Mexico any cash that we don't spend during the year, we're able to use and roll it over to the next year. So when those prices crashed, the the, uh, the state government came straight back to school districts, looking to claw back as much of that cash as they possibly. Could. Oh
1: my gosh, but really? But
2: then, not only that, the increase there was a very small increase in the amount per student that the state funded. So I have seen it, and it's not pretty, and it's fairly mm-hmm. painful, and I hope not to see it again.
1: Right. <laughs> i hope so too. Right. But you got through so, it. That's the key. Yeah,
2: we got. <laughs> Fortunately, well, I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately, we didn't have a whole lot of cash because the state was taking credit for our impact aid back in those days. So we right. didn't, they didn't take any cash to us. But oh, you lucked
1: out at the right we, time.
2: <laughs> well, we did. We lucked out. But as I recall, I believe our our state allocation that year was around $9 million. And at the end of the year, we only had $90,000 in cash left. So they didn't take any back, but it's because we didn't really have anything for them to take back.
1: Right.
0: It's such an interesting model in New Mexico. I mean, this might be a loaded question, and I apologize, but do you feel that New Mexico fairly funds education in the state?
2: I may get arguments from other business officials in the state, but I believe believe they do. I believe they fairly fund us. Mm -hmm. Now, fairly funding us and adequately funding us are not necessarily the same thing. Right. But with the revenues the state has, I think they try to the the legislators. I think really care about education, and I think they strive to fund us as fairly as as they possibly can. Now, okay, yeah. to be to to be honest, a lot of the responsibility falls on school business officials to make sure those dollars are spent wisely. As well. yeah. You,
1: yep. you
2: know, as you know, it's just like our household budgets. We can throw that money down <laughs> the rat hole if that's what we want to do. Right. You know, yeah. Buy things that we really can't afford. <laughs> And it's the same thing with with uh, spending school district money. Spend it wisely and well. Sometimes sometimes you become the minister of no. Uh, I remember right. when I first started, we uh, had a superintendent that did a survey of all the teachers, of all the staff, and he came back to me with the survey results and he said, well, it's good to know that there's somebody else in this district that's hated as much as I am. <laughs> so you know, oh, sometimes God, a
0: tough moniker.
2: Yeah, sometimes school business officials uh, hmm. are not the the most well liked. Well liked in the real... district,
0: right? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that, that's I don't know. I'm just so fascinated about that funding model at the state because I mean, Jack and I, residing in New York, one of the biggest gripes is property taxes, especially where we're located in in the lower portion of the state. They're so astronomically high, yeah. and trying to build a budget around. You know, plus percent of your revenue coming from local taxpayers can be a little dicey sometimes.
2: Well, I attended, I attended Eagle Institute as I said a couple of weeks ago, and the second week yeah. of July I was at the legislative advocacy conference in D.C. So I had a chance to visit with a lot of different business officials, and I was amazed that some of them said school starts in two weeks, and we haven't even received our budget yet. We don't even know how much money we're getting, but in New Mexico when that legislative session ends in February or March within two or three weeks, you're going to know exactly how much money you're going to get from the state. That's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Same for us. We should know by April, hopefully, what what, uh, the budget's going to
1: be. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but. Yeah. It's amazing. We're
0: all, we all have similar challenges, but go about them very differently state by state. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Yeah. But, um, wrapping up here, Martin, um, Anybody that we have joined us on the podcast, when we we wind down, we always give them an opportunity to impart advice uh, on our listenership. So whether you're sitting across the table from a brand new school business official who's just starting out, or someone who's been in their seat their entire career, what kind of advice can you offer today?
2: I will I will go back to my my uh, private business life. When you're in business and cater selling to the public, I was in retail. When you're doing that, you squeeze every penny that you get, and sometimes you you look at expenditures with a different viewpoint. And I came to school business with that same with that same viewpoint that I needed to to save money. Don't spend it. Don't spend it. Don't spend it. You got to save it because you may need it in the future. Over time, I became I I changed my attitude and understood that you needed to get that money in the classroom. Spend it for the kids, mm. keep it away from the so-called adults that want to spend it in ways that they may end up getting some benefit from it. Make it right. about the kids, keep it always about the kids. Make sure that's what the dollars are are geared towards. And that's the way as a business official that you have the opportunity to fully affect and impact the successful education of the students that you're that you're in charge of funding. Right. My my like advice that. is don't stress over the small things. Just enjoy the opportunity to help the future of the country by helping educate the students of your district.
0: Very well said, Martin. Very well said. And I couldn't agree any anymore. Uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure mm-hmm. having you on the podcast today. And uh, we're excited to get this out to our listeners. So thank you again
1: for your time and, and joining us.
2: Thank you. And Dr. Mitchell, I look forward to getting that that email from you so I can read your dissertation.
1: You'll get it this afternoon. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. All right. I appreciate Take you. Care.
2: Take care, guys. Nice business with you.
0: Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Martin today. We certainly learned a lot, a lot about... Yeah. I can't even say that of, we hope. We yeah. know
1: you learned something. Because if we learn yeah. something, you learn something. And you know what? My, my favorite quote of the day was when he started off and was like, you know, this is not... This is not the old Mexico. This is New Mexico. The new Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right here in the United States. And I tell you, I mean, um, from them meeting the uh, the Pueblos and, you know, the governor, like having multiple governors uh, to, yeah. to, you know, to, to getting the fund 95% from the state. Oh, man. I mean, and, and also getting their money in, in February, March, and knowing how much money you get for next year. But, um, you know, knowing that their economy is tied to oil and gas. Um, you know, and those kind of commodities is also, you know, precarious in in different times, right? So, um, yeah, Yeah, like we said, I mean, we're all dealing with very similar issues,
0: educating children, but the variables that we have to deal with are so wide and vast from state to state. I mean, like you said, even working with the tribes, I mean, we talked to uh, a colleague of ours in New York and they have mm-hmm. a large portion of their students on a reservation but that government in the tribe is made up a little bit different than the pueblos and the multiple governors that martin was talking about so Correct. you know yeah. you can have similar yeah. issues but you know multiple mm-hmm. variables that you have to attack but uh, yeah really fascinating conversation today and uh, yeah. we You'll appreciate everybody yeah we appreciate everybody tuning in and uh, we can't wait to see what we have for you next week